the last few weeks, we've been talking about miracles. We've been talking about miracles. And, and, and I know that there are some topics in the church that, I don't know, they kind of make anxiety go up sometimes. You know, like if I was going to preach on tongues, half the people would be like, dear God, surely not. You know, if I was going to preach on tithing, half the people would be like, dear God, surely not. And sometimes it's that way when we talk about healing or we talk about miracles. And we read the Bible and we see it's all the way through there. God, God talks about miracles. God says that, that he is a healer and we've studied some of those scriptures. Jesus is the great physician. We've been studying that. But I think the burden of faith is always on the believer. And we as a church have to decide, are we going to be a church who serves a God who used to do miracles? Or are we going to serve a God who does miracles? We have to decide. God knows who he is. But we have to decide who we believe him to be, right? And you can follow Jesus and not believe everything about him. Just ask Judas, right? So you can follow Jesus and not, I mean, you can believe he's a savior, but not believe he's a healer, right? You can believe he's a savior, but not believe that, that God can prosper you financially, you can believe some things about Jesus and not believe other things about Jesus. You can follow Jesus and believe he's your savior, but not believe he has the power to free you and transform you and help you become who God created you to be. You, you can believe, you can follow him and not believe everything about him. But, but for me, the way I've always been is like, you know, I'm kind of like the kid that loved the all you can eat buffet. I don't do it anymore. But my thought was if it's paid for, I want all I can get. And that's kind of the way I approach faith in God. Like, I want to believe everything about God. And my concern is that sometimes in Western culture, which is America, we, we kind of filter theology through what's comfortable and convenient. And, and sometimes we, we kind of move away from things that are a little bit like, I don't know, I don't completely understand. It's kind of because it's a little bit uncomfortable to believe God for healing. Because what if he doesn't heal? Well, what if he does? And, and it's a little bit, well, it's a little controversial because there's this dispensational theology that talks about how miracles have stopped. Can, can I just tell you something about that? Because I read an article about it the other day. And, and it, it was always interesting because I think God, God always has a why. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Why did he give his son? He's so loved. Like God doesn't randomly do stuff, Right? And, and the question I want to ask that guy is, okay, you just said all the miracles and, and the power and everything that God, that all, God stopped all of that with the apostles. He stopped all of that. And my question is, why? And here's what their answer is, because we have the Bible. So you're telling me God wrote a bestseller. He did all these miracles to write a bestseller and then retired. Like he did all this stuff and I'm God. And then once he wrote his bestseller, it's like, well, I don't need to be God anymore because I got a book. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to like, let me think about this for a minute, see if I can understand. And, and here's another thing that I think, do you know where most people based, if they believe miracles stop, do you know where they, where they always draw their text? First Corinthians 13, which we know is the love chapter, right? Amen. And love is patient. Love is kind, right? And Paul says, you know, where there are tongues, they will cease. And where there are miracles, they will cease when that which is perfect has come. Now, now, and I would say this, yeah. It also says where there's knowledge, it will cease. <laughs> have have y'all watched science? They're still finding stuff out. Has knowledge ceased? Knowledge ceased? All right. There's this thing that you do when you study the Bible. It's called studying it in context. It's an amazing, powerful gift. 
Because when you study it, it's not like Burger King or Whataburger or something like that. You can't have it your way. You can't just go to Sonic. It's not like Sonic where you just pick the flavors you want in your drink. And well, I like that verse and I think that's over here and I, you know, I like a little coconut, you know, or whatever. When you study the Bible, you had to study it. Verse, chapter, book, Bible. You got to have the context. Who did he write it to? When did he write it? What was he writing about? What was he trying to say? Right? And then how does that fit within the theme of the New Testament, within the theme of the Bible, with the other 65 books that there? Because here's what's interesting. They say, well, he says, you know, where there's miracles, they will cease. Well, he said there's knowledge that will cease. So we're all getting dumber. Praise God. And, but then the next thing is, let's look at the context of the book. In 1 Corinthians 12, he's talking about the power that the Holy Spirit gives us and the gifts that he gives us to one, the working of miracles, to one, working of healing, to one, the gifts of faith. So he's telling us God uses people to do miracles and to heal. And then in verse, in chapter 14, so that's chapter 12, chapter 14, he tells us how to operate in the gifts. And he says, I wish you would all prophesy and you should pray that you should prophesy. In other words, pray that the Holy Spirit works in you and that you use these gifts, right? And then right in the middle, you're telling me he stopped and said, there are no gifts. There are no miracles. Contextually, it doesn't make sense for him to say, I want you to believe God that his power is in you to do miracles. There are no miracles. This is how you operate in the miracles. Man, Paul's like bipolar. He's jacked up. Like he was confused about what he was writing. Here's the context. Believe it or not, he wasn't even writing on, on miracles and power and then thought, oh, in a couple thousand years, people are going to need a chapter to read at weddings. So what sort of things are, you know, no. I love his patience. And then, oh, back to, no. Here's what he's saying. God gives us these powerful gifts and God wants to move mildly through our lives. And then he stops in 1 Corinthians 13 and says, but the basis of all God's power is love. And then he goes on to say, now, if you're motivated by love, here's how you work in these gifts. That's the context. And so we have to decide, does he do miracles? Does he not? And we've been reading a lot of scripture and we've been studying. And if you're behind or you haven't been here, all of our, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes or on our website. You can go download it. You can listen to it. But today I want to, I want to, I want to stretch you. Everybody say stretch. Just look at, look at your neighbor and say, don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable. I want to stretch you a little bit, and I'm going to read you some things from your Bible, right? Because I didn't get a, pastors don't get a special edition, right? So I'm going to read you some things from your Bible, and I'm going to stretch you a little bit as we talk about miracles, right? And so we're going to read from Acts chapter 3. And so if you're there, you can grab your Bible and you can thumb along. And if you have the Version app, my notes are in there. And if you don't have anything, don't worry. We're going to put it on the screen. We're going to, we got you covered, man. You're in good hands with Allstate or Pathway, whichever way. But anyways... Acts chapter 3, a fun, it's a fun story. It really is. It's a great story. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour to pray. In other words, that's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They're going to prayer meeting. That's how you know there's revival when people go to prayer meeting at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And it says, a man lame from birth. He'd been lame 38 years since birth. We can, you can read that in chapter 4. Being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering. So he's begging. Verse 3, seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, he asked to receive alms. So he's asking them for an offering. And Peter directed his gaze at him and to John and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from him. What's he expecting to receive? He's expecting to receive some alms, right? He's expecting to see, if I had time, I'd stop right here and preach a sermon on don't ever settle for less. 
Like, don't settle for money when God wants to heal, right? Don't, don't say, I, I love doctors and some of you know my story and what I'm walking through physically and I'm under the care of a specialist, right? I'm not exactly doing what he recommended, but I'm under his care, <laughs> right? And, and, and I believe in doctors. I believe God heals in three ways. I believe he heals naturally. I believe he heals medically and I believe he heals miraculously. But I'd love to preach a sermon, don't settle, right? Don't settle for being broke when God wants you to learn stewardship and generosity and prosperity, right? Don't settle in bad relationships when God wants to heal your relationship. Don't settle in addiction when God wants to free you, right? And, and don't settle for a medical solution if God's able to heal, right? So I don't have time to preach that sermon, so we'll just keep going. <laughs> Verse 5, he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Verse 6, but Peter said, I have no silver or gold. See, Peter's in the ministry. He said, I have no silver or gold. <laughs> but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. It'll start a new level of worship. When people who can't walk can. And all the people saw. And they saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. And then, if you want to read the rest of the story later, it would be really cool. Because then stuff happens. I get upsets people. People go crazy. They're trying to figure out what happened. It's a fun story. But, but here's, here's what I want to talk about today. I call this message Miracle Workers. Miracle Workers. And here's how I'm going to approach it today. We just read a passage of Scripture, and, and I'm going to just ask some questions. Now, hold up. If you have test anxiety, don't stress out. Don't pass out. If your neighbor's eyes are rolling back on their head, just bump on the back of the head and tell them it's going to be okay. All right? But because I'm going to, we're going to answer the questions together, so you can't fail. Everybody gets an A. But sometimes I think the best thing you can do when you're studying Scripture is ask questions. Right? In fact, when you came today, believe it or not, I don't have all the answers and I can't give you all the answers in the time that we have. What I'm supposed to do is stir you up to go ask questions. You're supposed to go study. So I'd take all the scripture we look at today and I'm going to give you a whole lot of scripture and I'm going to talk really fast, but I can't give you all the scripture that I had in my outline. I had to cut it off because you couldn't stay here till five o'clock, right? And so you should take these scriptures and study them and ask the questions because I'm going to stretch you, but you can't get everything that how many know you don't eat one time a week? If you're going to be healthy, for me, I need to eat, I don't know, six, seven, eight times a day, right? It's hard work maintaining this physique. Right? You don't get this by accident. It takes some work. And so I want you to ask some questions. And so here's the questions I'm going to ask today. I just have a few. The first one is, who healed this man? Now, let's take a poll. How many believe God healed the man? How many believe Jesus healed the man? Okay, how many believed Peter healed the man? Yes, all three. All right, so let's look at some things. Well, first of all, let's look at Matthew 10, verse 1. Matthew 10, verse 1. This is what Jesus said. All right, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, being Peter. He said, and he called the 12 of his disciples to him, and he gave them. First of all, who is he? Jesus. Who is them? Disciples. 
Jesus gave his disciples, what did he give them? Right. He gave them power over unclean spirit. That's another sermon right there. Because some people say, well, there aren't demons today. Oh, yes, there are. You hadn't been a pastor long enough. <laughs> there are demons, and they're not all in Africa. There's a lot of them hiding in churches. And he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out. And he gave them power. Who, who gave who power? Jesus gave his disciples power to heal all kinds of sickness. How many kinds? And all kinds of disease. How many kinds? So who gave? Jesus. Who did he give it to? His disciples. What did he give them? Power to heal. Do you see that? Jesus gave his disciples, he gave his followers power to heal. Where's the power come from? God. Because Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth and under the earth is given to me. And he said, so now I give you power to go heal. By the way, if Jesus has all authority and God gave him all authority and then he gave us all authority, now how much authority does the devil have? I'm not good at math. But I know if there's an all, the only other side can be a none. Right? And so Jesus gave his followers. See, here, here's what you need to understand. Uh, 1, John 4, 1 John 4 says that as Jesus is in this world, so are we. As Jesus is in this world, so are we. And, and I could even put maybe a supposed to. We're supposed to be like Jesus was in this world. How is Jesus in this world? He was preaching. He was teaching. He was healing. He was delivering. He was setting free. How Jesus? And, and people say, well, you know, that's the, the apostle. Okay. Well, John wrote this in 90 AD. That's 25 years after Paul, the apostle, passed away. John was the last surviving apostle, and he's still writing. We're supposed to do just what Jesus did in this world. We're supposed to look just like him. And how many did Jesus heal? Jesus healed all that came to him, and he healed some that didn't come to him. Right? And he says, as he was in this world, so are we. In fact, John 20, 21, here's what Jesus tells us. Jesus said to his disciples, peace to you. Isn't it good that peace is a person and not a circumstance? He said, peace to you, because he said, see, I'm the prince of it. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Hold up. <laughs> as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Do you see the delegation of ministry and authority right there? As the Father has sent me, I send you. And here's the great thing about Jesus. He didn't stop there. He said, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Because here's a leadership principle that Jesus understood. You never give, listen, you never give responsibility without authority. You never give responsibility without power. In leadership or anything, you never give one without the other. If you give responsibility without power, you, you've told someone to do something and not given them the power to do it, that's frustrating. You give power without responsibility, you've empowered somebody to do something, but they don't know what they're responsible for. They'll hurt people. And here's what Jesus said. He said, I give you power to go do exactly. Go. I'm sending you just like the Father sent me. Now, I'm going to give you what, what I have. I'm going to give you the authority and the power I have to do what I'm asking you to do. And he breathed on. He sent them... Now, let me read another scripture. In Matthew chapter 10, because I know what people say, well, that was the disciples and the 12 disciples had the power to heal and, and Jesus, that's, but that was for them. 
Well, Matthew chapter 10 is where Jesus sent out the 12. Luke chapter 9 is where Jesus sent out the 12. It's the same thing. But then we can get to Luke chapter 10. And I love Luke chapter 10. Let's read. We're going to read verse 1 and verse 9. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others. I like that because he doesn't even call them disciples. Did you see that? It's in your Bible too. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others, not 70 disciples. He didn't say they were 70 pathway owners, right? He already had 12 people he sent out to do miracles. One was Judas. That's freaky when you think about it. But he sent 12 out. Now we have 70. He doesn't call them disciples. He just calls them others. Now we have 82 miracle workers, right? He sent out 70. He sent them two by two before his face into the city and places where he himself was about to go. Verse 9. And what did he tell these 70 people to do? Here's what he said. Go and heal the sick and say the kingdom of God's come near you. What did he tell the 12 to do? Go heal the sick. What did he tell these 70 others to do? Go and heal the sick. Has anybody seen a pattern yet? Go and heal the sick. Now, I know a lot of people are saying, well, that was, you know, but that was, you know, because we can explain, we can explain away anything good, can't we? Let me ask you a question. How many of you in this room would say, hey, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer in Jesus? Right? Okay. Most of you. Yeah. Um, how many people, let me ask you, let me ask you, how many people, if Jesus told you to go heal the sick, you'd say, I'd at least go give it a try. Right? Right? So, so, so we got a lot of people in this room say, I'm a believer in Jesus. Right? And if Jesus told me to heal the sick, then I would. How many of you know what the Great Commission is? And how many believe the Great Commission is called the calling of the church? That we're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You ever heard that language, right? Well, the Great Commission is in Matthew 28, and it's also in Mark 16, right? So let me just check again. How many of you believe in the Great Commission? How many are you believers in Jesus? And how many, if Jesus told you to go heal people, you go, you'd at least go give it a shot? All right, well, let's read something out of your Bible. Mark 16, verse 15. It says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, we don't have a problem with that, do we? But let's jump to verse 17. It says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Now, how many still believe? You still believe in Jesus, right? Still believe. All right. So, well, less, but we still have some. Praise God. All right. And these signs, <laughs> these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. That's a different sermon. They will speak with new tongues. That's a different message. They will take up serpents. I don't think God's ever asked me to do that so far. I believe he's told me to give some of them lead and other things, but not to take them up. And if you're from Peta and you love snakes, keep it to yourself. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Watch this. Great commission to those who believe. And they will lay their hands on the sick. And they will recover. Do you see that? It's in your Bible. Been there the whole time. It's in the Great Commission, the thing we say that we're called to do. Right? Jesus asked us. Jesus told us. Jesus said, hey, go heal the sick. Right? He said, go heal the sick. Um, 1 John chapter 3 says, for this reason was the Son of God manifest that he would destroy the works of the devil. How many know the devil works? He works all the time. When you're sleeping, he's still working, right? And what are the works of the devil? 
Well, I mean, first of all, there's sin, right? Now, he can't make you sin, but he tempts, right? And, and temptation doesn't come from God. James said, if any man's tempted of God, let him not think that temptation comes from God because God can't tempt anybody. But in every temptation, he provides a way of escape. In other words, God's the trap door, but he never, he never tempts. He'll give you the trap door. He'll give you the way out, but he won't tempt you. So temptation comes from the enemy. So sin, what happens when I sin? Death. Right? They always go hand in hand. You can't have sin and, and not have death. Right? But then if you went on, well, sickness and disease, because a lot of times Jesus would heal people by casting out spirits of infirmity and unclean spirits. We're just talking about the Bible, right? That thing we say we believe, right? That we carry around with us on our iPhones now, and we click it around and read devotions on it. We're just, this is all in the Bible. And so sickness and disease, bondage, oppression, poverty, all works of the devil. Here's what you need to know. You don't have to believe in the devil. He's still working against you. You don't have to believe him. In fact, he would prefer you not. But here's why Jesus, why did Jesus come? To destroy the works of the devil. You know, Jesus works too. You know, his works are powerful. And you know what he said? He said, even great, greater works than me will you do. Because I go to the Father. Jesus works too. Well, what are his works? Well, Jesus told us what his ministries are, what his works are. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, recover your sight to the blind, to set at liberty to the oppressed, and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. If you want, I'll take this apart for you real quick, but I'll show you the five works or the five ministries of Jesus. First of all, salvation. Preach the gospel. Salvation. Number two, healing. How does Jesus heal? He heals in two ways. First of all, he heals physically, the recovery of sight to the blind. It's physical healing. Secondly, he heals emotionally or internally, right? He heals emotionally or internally. He binds up the brokenhearted. So salvation, healing. Here's number three. Deliverance, he sets at liberty the captives. Freedom, he sets liberty, he gives liberty to the oppressed. And number five, uh, spirit baptism. Baptism, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I know there's a lot of controversy, and I have a series. If you want to listen to it, it's free. All right? It's online. Download it. But it explains everything. But here's what people say. Well, there is no spirit baptism. Well, here's the problem. Let's not talk, let's not talk theology for a minute. Let's talk grammar. Everybody like grammar? grammar? Grammar. I'm still working on my grammar. Hooked on phonics. Work for me. You know, I'm still working on it. Right? And so, but here's what the Bible says. Your Bible, not my Bible, don't have a special edition. Your Bible says that according to the Bible, when we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, so who are we talking about? The Holy Spirit, baptizes us into the body or into the body of Christ or into Jesus, right? So there are three baptisms. This is where we miss it. So that's the first baptism. I come to faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit baptizes me into the body. Some call it the baptism of love, however you like to say it, baptism of the body, all right? Then there's water baptism. Most people believe in that. You know, there's controversy on how we do that, but most people believe it. But then John the Baptist said, there's one coming after me who is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to even latch. And he said, when he comes, he's going to baptize you. So who's the he there? Was the Holy Spirit or Jesus? It was Jesus. And Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So leave your theology out. Let's talk grammar. The Bible says that when I believe, the Holy Spirit baptizes me into the body of Christ. John the Baptist, the same Bible says that Jesus baptizes me into the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit, right? Grammatically, they're not the same. So I'm not talking theology, I'm just talking grammar. The subjects and objects changed. Do you see that? 
So, so there is something more. I'm going to tell you something. You'll never, you can spend the rest of your life chasing God. You'll never get all of him. Where we lose is when we think we have enough. Okay. And I need to go on. <laughs> Do you know why this man was healed? Because Peter took responsibility to do what God told him to do, what Jesus told him to do. Do you know why we don't see healings and miracles in the church today? It's not because people don't have faith. It's not because God doesn't love us. I mean, it is true. A lot of pastors don't preach this anymore because it's too controversial and stretches people too much. And it's just easier to give them a song and a sermon and send them home. But do you know why it doesn't happen anymore? Because the way we approach healing is we keep asking God to do us what he, we keep asking God to do for us what he's given us power and authority to do ourselves. And God's saying, I did my part. There's a vacant tomb. In fact, you go to Israel, they'll, tell you, they'll tell, show you two tombs, right? Because they're not sure which one Jesus came out of. They're like, it's either this garden tomb or this garden tomb. You know the way I interpret that? My God, he's so powerful. He vacated two tombs at one time. That's awesome. But here's the thing. Jesus said, you go and heal the sick. He didn't say, and we'll get to this because this is the next question. The next question is, how did he heal them? How did he heal? He didn't say, go and pray for me to heal the sick. Right? Because did Peter pray for this man? Well, let's read. Here's Here's what Peter said. How did he heal him? Acts 3. Uh, verse 6, then Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, you know, I'm evangelist, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand, pulled him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. I mean, it's a miracle. This man had never walked. He didn't have leg muscles. He didn't have coordination. He was 38 years old and never walked. It's a miracle. But how did, Jesus, how did Peter do it? Did he, did he pray for him? No. He just said, get up. How would that change how we approach ministering to people who were sick if we just said, be well, well. right? I mean, you study the Bible that Jesus, I mean, really, he never really prayed for anybody to be healed. He healed them. And then he said, all authority, all power is given to me on earth, you know, under the earth, above the earth. And in other words, Jesus said, I got it all. Go and heal the sick. Peter actually tells us how he healed him because it, it starts quite a ruckus. Religious people always get really nervous when something legitimate and real and authentic shows up because religious people are the fakest people you can find. Well, I'll do this like my, my grandfather used to say, hello. That's what he, <laughs> but they're talking about, hey, how did this happen? And Peter even says, he says, hey, and we'll get back to this. He said, don't look at me. You know, it's not my power or my godliness that made this happen. I'll come back to this, verse 12. But in verse 16, he says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can plainly see. It's easy to preach when the lame man's standing beside you. But here's what Peter said. Two things. The authority of Jesus' name and faith. That's what happened. In other words, this is what we need to understand. I know we pray and we say, dear Lord, you know, bless this spaghetti in Jesus' name. Amen. 
And we're taught to put in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of every prayer because that makes it real. Right? And there's nothing wrong with that, but you need to understand that's not a phrase like hocus pocus or abracadabra. The phrase in and of itself doesn't have power without the revelation of the position that you sit in. Go home and think about that one, okay, because that's a good one. The phrase itself without the revelation of the power. The Bible says, I am seated with Christ. It doesn't say I'm trying to be seated with Christ. Hello. It says, it says, I am seated. The moment I receive Jesus, this is grace, right? Religion says I got to work for my position. Grace says I receive it. The moment that I'm saved, the Bible says I am now seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm seated with him. That's a past tense verb. It's not I'm trying to be seated. I hope to be seated. One day if I get everything right, I will be seated. Paul said I am seated. He's sitting down and now I am too. And so now I'm working not for victory. I'm working from victory. The victory was 2,000 years ago. I'm not fighting for victory today. I'm walking in it. I'm not trying to win the game. Today I'm signing the autographs. Are you with me? So we work from victory, not for victory. And so the authority of that name is Peter saying, I'm in Christ. And he's given me authority and power in his name and by his name. And then he says, so it's by the name of Jesus and faith. Let me ask you a question. Whose faith? Because I don't think the, the lame man had much, a lot of faith. He had faith for some coins. Right? Because people say, well, if you didn't get healed, brother, you don't have faith. No, no. Why don't, can I ask you a question? When it comes to healing and when it comes to God, why are we always trying to find a bad guy? Right? Well, he didn't get healed. It had to be his lack of faith. Well, he didn't get healed. Well, the person for him didn't have any faith. Well, he didn't get healed. Well, God doesn't heal anymore. He's, he's mean now. What if, there's, what, if there's no, what if there's no bad guy? Right? What if we just stop blaming? Can I tell you something about faith? Faith is not, something, it's not what I do to make God do something. Do you know what that's called? That's not faith. That's called manipulation. Right? And God doesn't work by manipulation. Right? God, I'll, I'll tithe if you'll let me win the lottery. <laughs> that's not how God works, friend. God doesn't work by manipulation. Can I tell you something? Do you, think, do you think that we can make God do anything? No. We got to understand he's the God, we're the servant. It's not that we're the God and he's the servant. Here's what faith does faith appropriates what God's already given by grace. Faith doesn't make God do something. And when you get into that game of, well, if I have enough faith, then God's going to move, and I got to get to this level of faith to make God move, and if I can get enough faith. Do you know what you've done? You have now have, you're, you're now trying to have faith in your faith. Do you know what that is? It's legalism because it's a works base. It's works basis because you're trying to have faith in your faith to get God to do something. That's legalism. And everything God does is by grace, by grace through faith, by grace through faith. Let me ask you a question. If someone wanted to receive Christ today, is Jesus going to die again? 
No. If, if you mess up today and somebody cuts you off after church and you say a wordy dirt, is, is somebody, is somebody, you know, a non-Christian cuss word, is somebody, is, is, is Jesus going to have to die again? No. Why? Because he already paid. Right? He paid once. And what do we do when we say, God, I'm so sorry I said that? By faith, we appropriate the grace of God. Healing's no different. If someone needs to get healed today, Jesus doesn't have to take another beating. He paid for healing 2,000 years ago. He paid one time. Hebrews said one sacrifice for all sin for all time. It was also one, one beating for all sickness for all time. And what faith does is faith says, God, you've already paid. I'm not trying to get you to pay. I'm not trying to ask you to pay. I don't know about you, but when I buy my kids something, I expect them to get it. When I pay for something for my children, I expect for them to get it. Or we're better than God because God already paid for, for healing. Don't you think God's hoping we get it too? Don't you think God's wanting us to have it as well? And so faith just appropriates what grace has already provided. Do, do you know why I think, I'm going to tell you something kind of mess you up. Are you ready? Do you know why I think God, uh, Peter, Peter was used to do this miracle? And Peter was used to do a lot of miracles. In fact, he's one of, the, one of the most healing apostles in the New Testament to the point that they would lay their sick. When he'd go to the office in the morning, they'd lay their sick on the street hoping that his shadow would touch them and the sick would be made well when his shadow touched them. That's strong, y'all. Right? And, and I come back and say, it, it, here's why, because... Your shadow will impart whatever, whatever you're aware of overshadows you. Case in point, you put three marginally happy people in a room and let one person that's severely depressed come in a room. What's going to happen in that room? They'll all be crying before it's over. Right? And I'm not trying... Listen, I, have, listen, I went through depression last year and it's, it's hell. I don't wish that on anybody. So I have all the compassion in the world for that. But I'm just telling you, that person that's severely depressed is so so aware of what's overshadowing them that wherever their shadow touches, they just, they change the atmosphere. Now, put three severely depressed people in a room and one person that is absolutely convinced that the Jesus who bore the price for our freedom is overshadowing them and let them walk into a room. We're supposed to be atmosphere changers, Right? Why Jesus, every time he's going to raise the dead, he'd take all the mourners and say, you've got to go somewhere else. He had to shift the atmosphere in the room. This is like a crash course in the Bible. That's why I feel like we're doing this morning. Are you okay? Are you still breathing? Why do, you, why do I think Peter did so many awesome miracles? Huh? I'm going to tell you why. Because he denied Jesus three times. Now, that doesn't make any sense, does it? And one time, one time, he even cussed. Not a Christian cuss word. No shoot, darn dang, not that. Like he dropped a bomb in Aramaic or something. I don't know what happened. Right? I don't know what happened. But remember what Jesus said? It's, it's not because of us or our godliness that this fans. Here's why. Peter had the greatest revelation of grace. 
He knew what it's like to deny Jesus three times and Jesus take him back and still call him into the ministry. And when Peter got ready to talk to that man, he wasn't thinking, well, let me see, did I have a good devotion time this morning? Is Je- or me and Jesus okay? Did, did I fast yesterday? Did, did I eat kosher? Peter said, hey, it's got nothing to do with us. Got nothing to do with me. And so Peter wasn't thinking about, is my prayer right? Is my devotional time right? Have I gone enough time without sinning or making a mistake? He wasn't conscious of himself at all. He was only conscious of who was overshadowing him. Are you with me? Do you remember last week when I said, you can't be good enough to be healed? Remember that? Because it's by grace. So you can't earn a miracle. You can't earn healing. That's not the way this works, just like you can't earn salvation. And I said, you can't be good enough to be healed, but you can be bad enough to be healed. Because it only works by grace, and it's the people who know they're jacked up that depend on God's grace. Let me, let me help you if you want to be a miracle worker. You cannot be good enough to heal someone, but you can be bad enough. Hello? <laughs> it's me. <laughs> Hello from the other side. All right, you got time for one more question? Let, let me say this. Oh, you got time for this? Um, I think it's important to note that, that Peter didn't pray for him. He spoke to him. He spoke to the condition. Um, Mark 11, 23 and 24, it's awesome scripture. But let me set the context. First of all, Jesus' disciples were walking. Jesus went over to a fig tree to get something to eat, and the fig tree had no figs. And Jesus cursed it because he was hangry. You ever been hangry? You weren't the first. Jesus was hangry. And so he was hungry and angry. That's the way I get. I'm hangry. You know what I'm saying? He was it's like, no fruit, you can die. And then they go on, right? And, then they're, and nothing really happened to the fig tree, but they come back the next day and the fig tree's withered. And the disciples marvel. They're like, holy cow, what happened here? And, and, and I want to say this, and then I'll give you Jesus' answer. But let me say this. I think sometimes when we pray for healing and something doesn't happen instantaneous, we find agreement and doubt saying, well, it didn't happen. But what Jesus did is he cursed the tree and the roots died in that instant. It just took a whole 24 hours for the leaf to wither. And it may be that when you came forward, somebody prayed for you. In that moment, Jesus spoke right to the, right to the root of it. And if you'd given a little time in faith, you'd felt it in your body. Remember he said, lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover. He didn't say everything's instant. I know we live in a microwave, number three, biggie size world, but not everything's instant. Are, are you with? So, so Jesus responds and he says, have faith in God. Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, this is Mark eleven twenty two twenty three, 23. If anyone says to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea. And he doesn't doubt in their heart, but believes that what she says will happen. It will be done. Here's what, here's what Jesus said. You got to get it out of agreement in your head. Cause sometimes we agree with scripture, but we haven't come to faith in it. You'll know you come to faith in it when you live it. 
See, there's agreement, but when we believe in our heart, it becomes conviction. Not negative conviction, positive conviction. Does that make sense? I'm convicted about it now. Jesus is a healer. Right? Up here, well, I believe he does. Yeah, praise God. No, he's a healer. It's different. Right? Does that make sense? And so Jesus said, it's got to get into your heart. And when it's in your heart, then you speak to the mountain. Don't pray that God moves the mountain. You speak to the mountain. Are you with me? See, we can, we can keep telling God about our mountain all we want to. But he's given us authority to speak to the mountain and move it. Are you with me? Okay, last question, last question. So what did Peter give him? Remember the text, we'll read it. Chapter 3, verse 6, it says, Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. What did he give him? He gave him the power of God, the kingdom of God, right? Do you remember in the Bible where the one with the issue of blood said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole? And Jesus didn't even know she was all sneaking up by, by, behind him like that. He didn't know she was creeping. And she got right up behind him and, and crawled through some legs of people and grabbed the hem of his garment. And, and Jesus said, wait a second, somebody touched me. And the disciples said, you're, you're like in a mob. Like everybody's touching you. He said, no, no, power just went out of my body. You remember that? And then in Luke chapter 6, remember where it says they brought him all that were sick and he healed them all. And it said they all sought to touch him because power flowed out of his body. You remember that? As Jesus is in this world, so are. Because watch this. In Luke chapter, in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus sends out the, the 12, in Luke chapter 10, where Jesus sends out the 70, do you know what he said? Go and heal the sick, preach the kingdom, and then he says this, freely you have received, freely give. What's he talking about? The kingdom, the power of God, right? Can I tell you something totally crazy? If you're a believer in Jesus, Jesus thinks that his power is in you and he wants you to go distribute it. That's what he thinks. Now, you may not think that. I'm just telling you what he thinks. I don't know what you think. But that's what he thinks. And he said, freely you've received, freely give. Freely you've received, freely give. See, you have to understand this. All right. The kingdom of God, Jesus, the message that Jesus preached, the gospel that Jesus preached wasn't you can die and go to heaven. That's not really good news, right? The gospel Jesus preached was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. In other words, the power and rule and authority of God is present. That's good news because when the kingdom of God encounters a man with a withered hand, all of a sudden the hand's not withered anymore. And when it encounters a man with leprosy, all of a sudden he doesn't have leprosy anymore. And when it encounters Jairus' dead daughter, all of a sudden she's up and dancing around. That's better news than you can die and go to heaven. Woohoo! I went to church today and they said if I got lucky, I could die and go to heaven. What good news? Pass the biscuits. <laughs> right? And so Jesus, what was he saying? Kingdom of heaven is here. Why? Because he was here and the spirit of God was in him. So the kingdom's in the spirit. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. How many are thankful for that verse? Like the kingdom of God is not about a diet. 
personally, that makes me very happy. But what, what Paul said, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where's the kingdom? In the Holy Spirit. The kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. Now, the kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. Right? Where's the Holy Spirit? I gave them authority to go heal the sick. Where's the Holy Spirit? Where's the kingdom then? It's in you. It's it's in you. That's why when Paul's preaching, we talked about 1 Corinthians 12, and he's saying, hey, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one to profit all. What's he saying? The power of the Spirit is given to each person to benefit everybody. What's he saying? The Holy Spirit's in you to benefit people around you. And then he goes on to say, in context, by the way, goes on to say, to one is given the gift of faith, the working of miracles, healing. Goes all the way through. Got 12 of them, right? All the way through. To each one, the manifestation, spirit is given, right? Romans 8, 11. If the same spirit, and by the way, Paul is a rhetorical writer, kind of like I ask questions like we're doing today. Hey, who healed him, right? You know, how did he heal him, right? What did he give him? Paul's a rhetorical writer, so he would always ask questions, right? If, and so Paul says, if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, here's what Paul's saying. The Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. That's what he's saying. It's not a question with him. He's just trying to make them answer it. And he's saying the Holy Spirit, what he's saying is, do you believe in Jesus? By the way, the context is grace, not works. Because he starts out Roman 8, there's no condemnation because you're in Jesus, right? And so the context is grace, not works. And here's what he's saying. The Spirit of God is in you. The Spirit of God is in you. Freely you've received, freely give. Let me read. Can I read one more scripture and we'll call it good? All right. I'm gonna, we're going to quote it first because most of you know it. Then we're going to read it together. Right? Ephesians 3.20. They're not going to put it on the screen just yet. How many know Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him. Now who's him? Jesus. Right? Now to him. Who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above? See, you know it. All we ask, think, or imagine. So who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask, think, or imagine? Jesus, right? Do we believe that? Let's read the other part of the verse. And put it on the screen, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Watch this. According to the power that is at work in us. Who's able to do more than we can ask or think? God, Jesus, right? But where is the power that he uses to do all that we, more than we can ask or think? Where's the power at? It's in us. Who does he use to do more than we can ask or think? Us. We've got to stop waiting on him to do what he's given us the power to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? He said, lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover. Jesus thinks you're a miracle worker. He thinks you're a miracle worker. You can go ahead and stand them out of notes. <laughs> he thinks you're a miracle warrior. You know what? We, we had people that were, were healed in the, the services last weekend. And that's awesome. We're just, 
you know, most of you know my story. I, I need a miracle right now. And I can tell you that God's working in my body. I'm better today than I was two weeks ago for sure. And I'm just trusting God and walking it out with him. But I, I, I love the fact, I do love that we have people healing the services like last weekend. But you know what I really love? I got a phone call from a sweet lady in our church. She and her husband been here for many, many years. And uh, just a wonderful couple. And, and she said, after the message last week, we, we had a friend who has some severe neck and back issues to the point that she's going to a specialist and they're actually killing the nerves in her neck and back because the pain is so bad she can't function. And many times all she can do is lay in bed. And, and she said, after the message last week, we thought we should go pray for her. And they went and prayed for her and all the pain left her body. And she regained full movement in her neck and back. Do you know why I love that? Because they're not on staff here. They don't pastor a church. They're not evangelists. They're two people who simply believe what Jesus said. You want to be a miracle worker? Just believe what Jesus said. And Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. That's what Jesus said. And he said that not just to 12, he said that to all of his followers. Do you know why? Because he said the promise of the Spirit is given to you, your children, your children's children, and as many as God will ever call. There's not an end to it. There's only a beginning. Jesus believes you're a miracle worker. You know, when you go to a doctor, you know, you know what they call what they do? A practice, right? And who do they practice on? And who pays them to practice on you? Right? So many people, if I said, how many would love for God to use you to do a miracle? Probably everybody lift your hand. I mean, you'd kind of be silly at this point not to. I mean, my God, after that message, good Lord. That white boy can preach, man. But here's what I'd say is, if you, if you want to see miracles, you've got to go practice. Go practice. You're never going to see someone healed if you don't ever try. Right? And you say, well, what if I do it and it doesn't work? Well, it means they're the same as when you started. If you don't pray, it's guaranteed not to work. Are you with me? Here's what I'm after. Just a few people that are crazy enough to believe Jesus. And this week, as you're going about your week, when sickness hits or you encounter someone, say, God, I, I believe you've asked me to be a miracle worker and that your power is in me and you've told me to go heal the sick. And God, I'm just going to work with you on this and see what happens. You might be amazed at what God will do. Amen? I'm giving you, listen, here's what I'm doing. I'm swearing you all in. And I'm giving you permission to go start your healing practice this week. Right? Let's bow our heads.